Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at www.cwcsj.org for service times and directions. This morning, uh, I'm going to ask you to forgive me before I even get into the word. Okay? Uh, Because um, what I'm going to say might offend some. Hopefully, it'll challenge all. Hopefully, it'll stir you. But I want you to recognize as we get into the word this morning, um, we started a series a couple weeks ago called Family Matters. How many of you know that family does matter? Amen. Um, America has gone through, this week has probably been one of the, the uh, most historic weeks as far as uh, the, the standard of marriage that we have seen in America. It is being redefined, not because God has changed, but because society has changed. And we're seeing a transformation taking place. And I want you to understand something. I read a book recently that made this statement. The family is under attack like never before in America today. When do you think that book was written? How many would say that was written just recently? Lift your hands. You're like, Pastor, this is a trick question. (laughs) How many would say it was written in the 80s? How many would say it was written maybe in the 60s? Okay. How many would say in the 50s? How many would say it was in the 40s? So how many just don't have a clue when it was written? (laughs) That statement was given in 1940 in a book called The Successful Family. And as we, as we venture into the family structure, I want you to understand, if you could destroy a family, you could destroy a nation. As soon as you remove the marriage, that this fight about marriage isn't necessarily for equal rights for people to marry one another. I need you to understand that the government cannot legislate what they did not create. Now, I don't believe in discrimination at any level. But marriage was created by God. Why? It was the vehicle by which he was going to bring family into being. And if you would, stand to your feet and and just bear with me this morning as we turn to Genesis chapter 2. Regardless of what your politics are, don't get mad at me. I didn't write the book. Take it up with the author. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, is right after this Bible belongs to. And someone else's name is written there. Genesis chapter 2, as you're turning there, I want you to know that God created family. It was his invention. He was the one that purposed it. It was his idea. It was his plan. In verse two, or chapter 2 of verse 18 of Genesis says this, And the Lord said, It's not good for man to be alone. Someone say, All the men say amen. amen. I will make him a helper who is just right for him. Some of you men saying, Pastor, I think I got the wrong one. <laughs> 
Oh, I'm sorry. I was thinking that. I didn't. Let's, let's go on. <laughs> verse 20. We're jumping down to verse 20. It says, but there still was no helper right, just right for him. Let's pray. Father, help in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. <laughs> God created the family. And I need you to understand that in the same way that God created family, God has established certain, uh, and, and I shared this on Father's Day, that God has established certain laws and principles that we cannot break. You can't break the laws of God. You, you could attempt to, 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 uh, to, to um, violate them, but you cannot break them. See, you cannot break the law of gravity. You, you could walk off the side of this building and say that gravity doesn't exist, The law of gravity, you don't break the law of gravity. The law of gravity breaks you. And so I need you to understand that you don't break the laws of God. They break you. That's how you end up with fractured relationships, where you end up with fractured uh, mind, a fractured emotion. When you begin to try to change the principles of God and you try to make them operate and say, I don't believe this, no matter whether you believe it or not, doesn't change the fact that it exists. And so I need you to recognize this morning that the ignorance of a principle does not remove the consequences of that ignorance. Just because you don't know it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. And so with that in mind, I want you to understand something. When God created the family, it was his idea for a plan. And let me take you through this. Let's start at the beginning. Genesis chapter 1. Whenever you want to know how things are supposed to be, go back to the beginning. Whenever you know how things are supposed to be, go back to the beginning. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. If you're there, say amen. And I'll keep your Bibles out because we're going to use them a bit this morning, okay? It says this, then God said, how many of you know when God speaks, things happen? Amen. Amen? Then God said, let us, who is he talking to? Who's us? It's, It's not the angels, he's talking to himself. See, it's okay to talk to yourself. It's when you answer yourself, you got problems. God said, let us, he's talking about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. See, God loved himself so much, he said, let's duplicate ourselves. It's okay to love yourself. In fact, the Bible says that we should love others as we love ourselves. And so if you don't have a healthy love for yourself, you're never going to be able to love or accept other people. I want you to notice, and God said, let us make human beings in our image and to be like us. You know, when when Satan came and he got Eve to eat of the tree, he did so by saying, if you eat of this, God doesn't want you to eat because then you will become like him. Not realizing that she was already in the image of God. Satan will always try to sell you something you already own. You'll get that later. Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. And they will reign over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air. And then he goes on talking about everything he wants us to have dominion over. Verse 27. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. That means a woman and a man together reflect the image of God. That together, why? Because they reproduce. See, uh, when you don't have, if you have a male and a male, a female and a female, they can't reproduce. It's impossible. 
And so I need you to recognize something. He says, so God created human beings in his own image, and the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Now, notice that after he creates them, he gives them direction on this. Notice what he says in verse 28. Then God blessed them. Everyone say blessed. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. Reign over all the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and the animals that scurry along the ground. God blessed them and he said this. Now this is what I want you to do. Adam and Eve, I want you to create a family. And from that family, I want you to raise up children that will be raised in the ways of God. And then when they get to that age, send them out of the garden to reproduce the garden throughout the world. See, I need you to understand your family is bigger than you. Our families are important. Our families are worth fighting for. We got too many men walking out on their wives. Too many fathers walking out on their children. Too many mothers walking out on their families. The family is worth fighting for. We got to fight for our family. He says he blessed them and said be fruitful and multiply. In other words, reproduce, expand. Now, I apologize if I offend you, but I need you to understand something here. The family is a reflection of God. It reflects God. I make no apologies for that. Look at what God's doing. Not only does he create a man with the body, soul, and spirit showing the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He takes a family and he says, here's a father, here's a mother, and here's children. And together that family unit creates a reflection of God. That's why it's important that our families succeed. Because if our families fail, then it says God has failed. Because we are a reflection of God. Let me take you a bit deeper on this. And I want you to understand that God's plan of dominion was to duplicate himself and fill the earth with the family unit. That's why it's important, parents, that we train our children Bible says train a child in the way that they should go. We just saw that in the dedication that when they're old, they would not depart from it. In other words, it doesn't mean they'll never turn from God. It just means when they get older, they'll finally get a clue. (laughs) Now, sometimes you want to hit kids upside the head to get them a clue. But somewhere along the way, they remember what was founded in them, what was trained in them. And even though they get off track for a while, mom and dad, hang in there because they will come back. It's a promise. It's a promise from God. And so I want you to notice something here, that God takes the the, the family unit, got these three equal people making one unit. And let me explain something. I did say equal. Husband, wife, And children, all equal. As a reflection of the Trinity, follow me. God the Father is the head. Jesus is just as powerful. He's God. Holy Spirit, just as powerful. He's God. But they submit themselves to one another in order to bring about the function. That's why the Bible says, wives, submit to your husbands. Next week we're going over that, so come back. Husbands, come alone if you have to. (laughs) But 
you have the husband, where the Bible says husbands or wives submit to your husbands as Christ to the, as the church does to Christ. So I, I want you to understand something that when we talk about submission, the reason why most women don't submit is because it's not being modeled by their husbands to God. Say it again, Pastor. You see, you want her to submit, but you're not, you're not showing that submission under God. See, Jesus submits under God the Father. Holy Spirit speaks of Christ, and they work together. But you can't have a family unit when we're all disjointed. You ever driven the, down the street? I remember we, we, we only have one car, so we, we make sure we take care of this car. And we were d- driving down the street recently, and all of a sudden, when I was going straight, it was fine. But whenever we turned, the car would shake violently. It's like, what the heck? This car is falling apart. Oh, my God. We need to do something. So I took it. I thought it was my tires. So I took my tires in, and the guy says, no, your tires are fine. It's your alignment. Your alignment's off. And we don't feel it in a family unit. When everything's going good and we're going straight, everything's cool. You don't feel a thing. But you know what? All of a sudden, have something take place that gets you off course. Something that makes you turn a little bit. And all of a sudden, you'll begin to feel everything begin to shake as you're trying to get the family unit back in order. Because there's no alignment. I'm going somewhere with this. Hang with me, okay? So I want you to understand that God's plan will always take precedence over your happiness. Let that sink in a little bit. God's plan takes precedence over your happiness. I'm not happy in this marriage anymore. I'm tired of her. I'm tired of him. Well, when everyone gave you advice to stay away from him before you got married, you didn't listen. When everyone gave you advice to stay away from her, you didn't listen. Your parents told you, your family told you, your friends told you, the neighbor told you, his parents, her parents told you to stay away from him, but you wouldn't rest until you got him. You wouldn't rest until you were with her. You wouldn't rest. You were sneaking out to get together. You were hiding out trying to get together. Now you finally got him. Well, shut up. You got him and figure out how to make it work. You make it work. You work it. Why? Because a marriage is deeper than that. A family is deeper than that. It reflects God. God don't give up, so we shouldn't either. Oh, I'm, it's going to get deep here in a second. Hang with me. See, God's precedence will always take place, take uh, precedence over our happiness. But we put our happiness over the, pres- the purposes of God. Let me take you to, to, to the beginning. That's why Satan's after the family. Because the family is the vehicle, even before the church, the family is the vehicle that God chose to bring his presence into the world, was the family. That's why family is so important. That's why family is so important. Now, now I want to take you somewhere and understand this. Uh, Genesis chapter 2, verse 8. Check this out. The Lord planted a garden in Eden in the east, and he plant, placed man... That he had made. So he he puts this beautiful garden together, puts Adam inside that garden, and then after he puts him in that garden, in verse 15, it goes down to it says, The Lord placed man in the Garden of Eden to tend and to watch it. 
to tend and to watch it. In other words, to cultivate it and to protect it. To cultivate it and to protect it. So we as fathers have a responsibility. God has placed in men the ability to build things up, to take care of them, and to protect them. To build things up and to take care of them. To cut off the overgrowth and then to protect them. That's why in one hand we have a sword and the other hand we have pruning shears. We're gardeners on one side and we're warriors on the other. So let, let me, the, the problem, see, Miles Monroe said this, divorce is not the problem in America. It's a symptom. There's a deeper issue that's going on. See, we keep wanting something for the sneeze. The sneeze isn't the problem, it's your allergies. What are you allergic to? And we keep taking things to cover up our symptoms, never dealing with the, 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 the root of the issue. Stop messing with the fruit and let's, let's start dealing with the root. So notice what God gives Adam. Check this out. This is important. God gives Adam an area of influence, the garden, gives him a job. All the men say. And then he gives him his word. Between verse 8 and 15, God tells him, now, you shall not eat from this. You shall stay away from this tree. You have everything here at your access. Everything is yours. But stay away from this one tree. God gives him his word. Notice, Eve is nowhere to be found yet. In fact, let me take it a step further and notice this. Satan doesn't attack Adam until after Eve is created. Satan leaves him alone. Never shows up in the garden. Until Eve shows up and they get married. Sorry about that. It's not until they get married that all of a sudden, all of a sudden Satan shows up. Why? Because one man by himself, he's not concerned about. But as soon as he gets married, he's whole. As soon as he gets married, there's power there. As soon as he gets married, there's reproduction that's able to take place. Generations that are able to come out of people that can transform. Satan's afraid of a man and a woman that come together under God because when they come together, a whole breed of people can be come about and bring about transformation. That's why Satan stepped up. He says, oh, dude, you're cool when you're in the garden by yourself, but now you're married. Uh-uh. Let me talk to this chick. And he starts talking to her. Notice he got, he got the order out. He didn't talk to Adam. He talked to her. And Adam let her talk. That's a whole nother series. <laughs> Genesis chapter 2. Notice what happens here. Are you still with me? Amen. Verse 18. I'm, I'm not going to be much longer. Hang with me here. Then the Lord God said, it's not good for man to be alone. Up to this point, God said everything was good. This was good. This was good. This was good. This was good. Then he creates man and he says, this is very good. Then he starts looking at Adam there and he says... Oh, man, this isn't good. What is it? Then the Lord God said, it's not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper just right for him. Listen to me. First of all, ladies, don't you ever date a man that doesn't have a place to stay and a job and hears a word from God. Say it again, Pastor. Y'all, y'all, y'all totally missed that one. Before Adam had a wife, he had a place to stay, a job, 
and he had the word. Before God sent him a woman, he had a place to live, a job, and then the word. You find any dude missing one of those three things, run. I'm serious, run. Because you, that ain't the person for you. Because I'm, I'm going to explain this a bit more, and even in the area of dating for some of y'all. You, see, women are not shoes that you try on to see if they fit. Dating was never a godly concept. You don't see dating in the word. And we wonder why there's so many pregnancies, why there's so many abortions, why there's so many people with low self-esteem, why so many emotional issues, why so many counselors, because we're jacked up, because we've tried to break a principle of God, and now we're dealing with the consequences. Oh, Lord, help us. I'm going somewhere with this. Stay with me. So notice this, ladies. I want you to understand, whenever a man starts feeling alone, a man's not ready for marriage either until he feels alone. Okay? Because when he's all right by himself and he doesn't need anyone else around, when you get married, you will be by yourself and he won't need you around. It's not until, notice, God did not create Eve, give him to Eve, give Adam Eve until Adam felt alone. It wasn't until Adam started feeling lonely. So, see, some of you men don't need to get married, you would damage a woman. But, Pastor, I like sex. No, then, you know what? That's not, you're missing it. The Bible, you know, when we talk about purpose, remember when we talked about purpose, that when you don't know the purpose of something, abuse is inevitable. Marriage isn't for sex. Marriage is to create a union that creates a family that reproduces the presence of God. Check this out. So look, look, look what happens here. After that man's alone, God gets him busy. Whenever, ladies, listen to me. Whenever a man's going through trouble, we always disappear into our caves. Men are from Mars. Women are from Venus. Dr. Gray says that women have waves. Men have caves. When a man goes through tough times, a man will break away and he'll go into his cave just to get alone. Work on the car, work on the computer, uh, be, begin to, you know, work, get into sports or whatever. They get away and... The woman is usually at the mouth of the cave yelling, Honey, when are you coming out? Babe, are you coming out anytime soon? Babe, come on out. You stay in there as long as you want to stay. I just know that as soon as you're ready, I'll be here for you. And he's like, Would you just shut up and leave me alone so I could just get alone and be in my cave? Listen to me. Man was created first. That's why man has this freedom and this independence. We don't need companionship as much as women do. Why? Women were created second, and so they were birthed out of fellowship. That's why women get together, they have lunch, they go out, they get on the phone, they talk, talk to a friend for four hours at work, talk to a friend on the way home, they get home, they call each other, and they talk again. And when they call, weren't you just with that person for a few hours? Yeah, but she forgot to tell me something. That's why women go, go, to, back, go to the restroom in and, 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 and herds. They all go together. You know there's not enough bathrooms in there, but why is everyone going in together? Because they're felt. Let's all go to the bathroom together. 
you don't ever see that with guys. Hey, man, you want to go to the bathroom? Let's go. Come on. Let's all go to the bathroom together. Except for Pastor Matt. <laughs> oh, that's true. I'm not going there. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> so he gets busy. And l- listen, men, what, what happens is that, you know, men go into their cave. Women have waves. They, they get to the point where you will give women, you'll give, you'll give, you'll give, you'll give. And you'll get to the point where you're like, you know what? I just can't give anymore. And that's at the point that we realize we jacked up the men. We're like, oh, shoot. Because they get to that point where they just can't give anymore, and then they're going to come crashing down. And we try to stop them. We try to get out. Best thing to do is get out of the way because they're going to crash. <laughs> but the great thing about waves is that they come back again, and they build back up again, and they go only when they feel like they're, being, they're giving more than they're receiving. After this, verse 19, so the Lord formed Adam from the ground of the wild animals, or formed from the ground all the wild animals and the birds of the sky. And so he brings them to Adam to name them. So Adam's feeling lonely, so God gets him to work. And so check this out. They bring all the species of animals in front of Adam, and Adam starts naming them off. Giraffe, uh, you know, hippo, this, um, you know, this is going to be anteater, this is going to be ant, this is going to be cat, dog. And so he starts naming all these things. What's amazing is Adam had the capacity in his mind to name all these things. Listen, whatever you name, you have authority over. Whatever you name, you have authority over. That's why we have authority over our kids. We name them. Now, now follow me on this. After he does this, notice the last part of verse 20. But there was still no helper just right for him. Now picture this with me. Giraffe. Hippo. And as they're going by, Adam notices something. For every male hippo, there's a female hippo. For every horse, there's a Mrs. Horse. For every cow, there's a Mrs. Cow. And they're all going by, and Adam's just like naming them authority, but getting lonelier as they're going about. Getting lonelier. And the Bible says that as he named all the species, that there was no helper found just right for him. All the men say, amen. amen. Otherwise, y'all be sitting right next to a cat right now or a... <laughs> Here, kitty, kitty, kitty. There was no helper found among creation for him. So I want you to notice what God does here. After all of this, what God is literally saying, man needs help. Man needs help. They're not good by themselves. They need help. Yet everything Adam needed was inside him. He was created whole. He was created perfect. Now, check check out what happens. Verse 21. Stay with me. So the Lord caused caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while the man slept, the Lord took out one of the man's ribs, closed up the opening, and the Lord made a woman. All the ladies shout, amen. Amen. 
the Lord made a woman from the rib and he brought her to man. So I want you to understand that God formed Adam, but he fashioned Eve. The word that's used in the Hebrew for the creation of Adam was to squeeze. That's why men do better with pressure. Men are good with pressure. We're used to, the, the more pressure that's on us, we, we, it pulls out something in us. The woman, on the other hand, was, was more delicate. The, the Hebrew word means to be fashioned like an architect saying, you know what? I'm going to put a line here. Then I'm going to put another line here. Then I'm going to bring this in just a little bit right here. And then I'm going to bring this out right there like this. And then for those of y'all that like the junk in the truck, I bring this out right here. And God took time and he fashioned. With, with Adam, he said, <laughs> with woman, he just. <laughs> he takes time to fashion her. You know. Listen, that is why men are more addicted to porn than women are. Let's face it, women are better to look at. Some men are just afraid to laugh because they're going to give themselves up. God made a creation, was showing off when he made women. I love what Chris Valentin says. Chris Valentin said, God used better material when he made Eve. That Adam was made out of the dirt, but Eve was made out of the rib. She, she was created with better material. She was created equal, but to be a helper. Equal, but a helper. That doesn't make you less equal, but a helper. Your purpose, women, is to help, not nag. <laughs> but I'm helping them. No, you're not. When you begin to go into nagging, you stop helping. See, when you forget your purpose, you get abused as well. Don't worry, we're going to get deeper on that. I'm not going to leave that alone. We'll, we'll, we'll help you out on that. Verse 23, at last, check out what Adam does. We're going to close, so hang with me. Really, we are. Notice what Adam does. and This is the key for the young men and the ladies in here that are looking for your future mate. When Adam sees... Eve, he doesn't go, oh, dang, baby, dang, you, you, what, you, uh, you got the, you, you're, you are knockout, look at that body, girl, turn around, oh, dang, girl, you're breaking my heart right now. He doesn't say a thing about her outward appearance. Adam looks at her and says, you shall be called woo man or whoa man. Because you are bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Why do we have so many divorces? It's because too many people are choosing relationships based on the outward appearance. How you look, how you walk, how you talk. But they miss out what Adam said. He looked at his wife and did this. You, girl, have the same DNA as me. You're made of the same material. I found my completion. Found my rib. Get my rib back. Ladies, you got to find someone that has the same DNA as you. 
Y'all be dating folks. I've seen some of y'all with people. I'm like, what the hell are you thinking? <laughs> yeah, hell. They just, her mouth just went open. That's how some people just make the way your mouth just dropped open is the way my mouth drops open when I see some of the people that these guys be walking in with. Do you realize how beautiful you are? Do you realize how handsome you are? Do you know the glory that rests on you? And you're throwing away who you are for that? You're throwing away who you are for this? But pastor in the club, he's known as, I don't care what he's known for in the club. Is that your DNA? When Adam got Eve, he got back what was taken from him. When Eve got Adam, she restored what was his already. And they came together. Adam noticed her DNA, not her differences. And this explains, Omaha, if you help me. This explains why a man will leave his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united in one. One flesh, Pastor Matt. One flesh. Verse 25. Now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. So as we close this morning, what, for those of you that are married, what are the things that are help restore our marriages or make them better? Four simple things. Number one, there has to be a cutting. The Bible says, for this reason, a man shall leave. Everyone say leave. Notice the man leaves, not the wife. God never commands the wife to leave her family. He commands the man to. Why? Because, gentlemen, it's time to stop being mama's boys. you got to cut the umbilical cord. Well, that's my son. Yeah, he's your son. But if you want to be the mama's boy, don't leave home. You don't need a wife. you got mama at home. Cutting. Cut the umbilical cord. You got to cut. The woman's never commanded to leave, but the man is. Why? Because the wife becomes your primary concern. Most problems in marriages happen where the wife doesn't feel that she's number one. Number one need of a man is to be respected. Number one need of a woman is affection and value. There has to be a cutting. Secondly, he says shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. Let let me show you this. Let let me explain this. Come here, baby. Put that thing right there. You don't need that right now. When I leave my father and mother, the Hebrew word for cling, stick like glue. In other words, the husband's the one that is saying, I'm stuck to you, girl. You're not getting rid of me. No matter how mad you are at me right now, I'm stuck to you. Now, you know what? You might be ticked. Go ahead. Go in the room. Get mad. Yell. Do your screaming. Be upset. Do all you want to do. But you know what? When you come back out of that room, I'm going to still be right here. I'm still going to be standing here. I'm going to fight for this thing. Why? Because I'm clinging to you. I'm not going anywhere. 
I, I'm not going anywhere at when you get pregnant. I'm not going to go anywhere when we have our kids. I'm not going anywhere when things get rough. I'm not leaving when we go through financial trouble. I'm going to stand right by you. You get sick, I'm going to be right there to take care of you. We go through battles, I'm going to fight for you. Ain't nothing going to separate you and me. I'm standing here. I'm fighting for us. And no matter what happens with our kids, we're going to stay in this thing together. Because I'm clinging to you. You're my priority. My priority. (laughs) Shall leave his father and mother, cleave to his wife, and the two shall become. Not too soon. You see there. Someone's already want to go into one flesh. (laughs) The problem, and that this is probably a man that said that too. Nelson. Yeah, because the man wanted to get busy right away. Let's get one flesh. Let's get to one flesh. <laughs> Pastor Matt, when he got married, was getting ready to get married, had a dream that him and his wife had gotten married, and uh, they ended up going to his mom's house for their honeymoon before they left on their honeymoon. And they stayed in a bedroom in his mom's house that had bunk beds. And so every night, his wife would go to bed on the bottom, and he would go on the top, and they never had the ability to consummate the relationship. And so he told his wife, and in the dream, this is a dream. Don't walk out and say this is what they did. And in the dream, he says, hey, Monica, we've been married already for like a week. And... We're still two fleshes. We're supposed to be one flesh. And so from that, we created our first married couples camp that we did, and we called it One Flesh, all in honor of Pastor Matt and his dream. That was good. As you can tell, they have been one flesh. They got two little ones running around. Becoming. Becoming is not the same as sex. I want you to understand, becoming is literally this. Becoming understands this. Come on, girl, work with me. Becoming means you you got two individuals trying to come into one relationship. Whenever you have two minds trying to do one thing, it doesn't always work out easy. But becoming is a process. It's not a we became. It's become. It's a process. It's ongoing. That every day we got to work at becoming one. Every day we got to work that our hearts have to become one. See, listen, if your spouse was just like you, one of you wouldn't be necessary. She's not like me. That's the exact thing why you married her. This drives me crazy when you see people, you know, when they first get married. I love him so much. He's so spontaneous. Then they come in for counseling. Pastor, he never plans anything. (laughs) Oh, I love him so much. He's so funny. Man, I just want to divorce him. He never takes anything serious. I love him so much, he just spoils me. He buys me anything I want. We're broke. I want to get rid of him now because we're broke. We have no finances. He doesn't plan. You're becoming. And becoming is a coming together of hearts before a coming together of bodies. 
coming together of hearts and minds before coming together. Notice this, and excuse me if there's children in the room, but I just, I need to share this. And I need you to understand, those of you that are married, the greatest experiences I've had with this woman have been when I've ministered first to her heart and to her mind before we ever made it to the bed. Because when I've taken care of her heart and her mind, Oh, yeah, I got your stuff. You go, girl. You go, girl. It's a blending of heart, not just the bodies. That's what marriage is. A blending of heart, not just the bodies. And lastly, it says, they were both naked and unafraid, unashamed. I want you to understand something. Intimacy is last, not first. Too many relationships, you end up getting physical, and then you try to build intimacy. It doesn't work that way. Ladies, you want to end a relationship? Give yourself to them. Let me give you a key to every player that's in here that's trying to get into you right now. Don't. Don't give yourself up. Cross your legs, fold your arms. So until you put a ringy on the, you don't get no thingy. Because security is what this is all about. They are so into each other. I'm going to, really, they are so into each other that they didn't even notice they were naked. They were so into one another, they didn't even give a... It didn't matter what the flaw may have been or what the problem may have been. Listen, husband, when you get so much into your wife, you're not going to trip about how much she nags. Well, wife, when you are so much into your husband, you're not going to bother about the fact he put on five or ten more pounds or 50. It's not going to matter. Why? Because you're so into one another. Marriage is a theological issue, not a relational issue. Because my relationship is a a picture of him. And this has to work in order for me to share with the world that he works. So we got to fight for it. We got to stay in it. We got to make it work. We can't throw in the towel. We got to make sure that our families are reflecting of the God that we serve. We will never succeed at marriage until we understand the purpose of marriage. And so young ladies, young men that are here right now, as we close, I want to ask you a question. Those of you that aren't married, before you end up stepping across the line and marrying them, I want to ask you a question. Are you willing to stay with that person until they die? Let me rephrase the question. If they never change, are you willing to stay with that person until they die? You know why? Because a man looks at a woman and says, oh, man, I hope she never changes. Keep that youthful, girlish look and all the, all the things about the young lady and everything. That's what a man has in mind. We, we don't want you to change when we get, get married. Women, you look at us and say, oh, I could work with that. <laughs> yeah, I could work with that one. I could, I could mold him. I could shape him into what I want him to be. I could work with those issues. 
If you're here this morning, you've had a failed marriage, or you're here, you don't, you don't, have, you, you don't have the traditional family. I'm not here to put you down. I'm here to say this. we got to fight for our family. Which means we got to raise our kids in godly ways so that they get so much of God in them that when they get, get 18 and we kick them out of the house, or when we move them out of the house... Do you understand kids were never born to stay with you forever? (laughs) They're not supposed to stay with you. They're supposed to grow up and reproduce outside of your home. That's how we replicate. To fill and subdue the earth doesn't just mean to have kids. It means to raise a new generation of God servers. Bow your heads with me this morning. Father, we're grateful for your love. Grateful for your understanding that even in our failures, my God, you could turn failure and turn it into victories. And I pray for every father. First, I speak to the fathers in this place right now. That, Lord, that we would leave, that we would cleave, that we, Father God, would find ourselves becoming, and that we would lastly, my God, then enter into that intimacy space of becoming one. But Lord, if there are things that we are connected to other than our spouse, I pray now that we would cut those things off right now. I'm speaking to every father, every husband in this place right now. And you know what? You might think right now, Pastor Dan, I don't have an affair, but maybe you have an affair going on right now with work. You're attached at work, but detached at home. Maybe you have, it might be an, an attachment to pornography, an attachment to other things. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Very private moment. You're here and just say, Pastor Dan, I want to leave. I want to leave right now. Just lift your hand right where you're at. You just want to leave. God bless you. God bless you. It's hard for men to do this, but God bless you. God bless you. I'm proud of you. God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you. Secondly, you're here and you just recognize, Pastor, I need to to cleave to my wife. There's been too many times that I've wanted just out. I've wanted to walk away. I've wanted to step out right where you are. If that's you, you need to make a decision. Let your wife know today, I'm not going anywhere, honey. You're stuck with me. Right where you are, would you just lift your hand? God bless you. God bless you. You're here right now and just would say that you need to start becoming one, unity in heart, getting to know the heart, getting to know the desires of your spouse. This is both men and women as well right now. For both husband and wife, that's you. That you need to know your husband, your wife's desire right where you are. Would you lift your hands as well? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Maybe you're here and your family was not the typical family. Things didn't work out the way most families did. You weren't raised and didn't have the greatest example of the way a family should be or Maybe your family didn't work out the way it should be and you're just thinking, oh God, what did I do or what's going on? God loves you. He loves you. And what was modeled for you doesn't have to be replicated by you. God can make a change. And for those of you that are in that battle right now with the separation, with the struggle, I want to tell you right now, I'm proud of how you've hung in there. I know there are times that you, 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 you walk away. I understand that. But I want you to know that God loves you and that your, his purpose for your life hasn't changed. I want to raise the standard in family. You're here right now. Just say, Pastor Dan, would you just pray for me? I don't know what it is, but my heart's just stirring. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. 
God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. I'm just going to ask you, if you lift your hand, if you would just stand to your feet and come meet me here at this altar. I want to, me and the pastors just want to spend some time and pray with you. Would you stand to your feet as Omaha's brother Reuben just leads us in a song? God bless you. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at www.cwcsj.org.